0: let's start with the podcast hello everyone uh, welcome to another episode of insight hope all of you are doing well during this pandemic and i'm your host nachiket najampurkar currently studying in the second year of mbbs okay And well, uh, so as I start uh, this week, we have got a very, uh, you know, unique kind of a guest. uh, And uh, we have uh, with us uh, Anuj Nakade. So Anuj is, uh, well, you could call him a meme lord because uh, he's one of the India's pioneer meme curators. And uh, when I heard about it, I was like, whoa, is this even for real as in did this guy just make up a job for himself because things weren't working out and i guess that's what most of the people do okay so (laughs) i i've always wondered about memes and um and then most of us just scroll at memes just look at them have a good laugh but then this guy over here he's he's in this deep he wants to curate memes he wants to include them as art in museums, because uh, he thinks that this depicts uh, the era that we are living in. Am I right?
1: Close to right, but mostly I am also here, <laughs> but <Because laughs> I wanted to like let them go. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, <laughs> it's okay.
0: there he is. Say hi, Adoj.
1: <laughs> Hello everyone, I exist. And um, <laughs> while I appreciate the fact that you called me a meme lord, I am very flattered i do detest monarchy and all terms related with it so call me meme comrade um, okay <laughs> yeah.
0: you serve the internet union
1: yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so uh, let's let's begin the podcast with a simple question you know what exactly is a meme because i believe you have this um this analogy with or not even an analogy uh, an explanation which includes biology which our audience might be interested in they well, have to be
1: i mean i just recommend beyond me just blabbering about memes there's also a video that i made which is very well edited what is a meme on my youtube channel plug 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 go check it out uh, <laughs> but his uh, channel's
0: name is deep fried neurons
1: thank you thank yes. you for, for completing that <laughs> Makes them feel like you're on board with this. (laughs) Uh, But, well, uh, talking about what is a meme. So the etymology of the word, where the word originates from, has nothing to do with the internet. It was well before the internet was even conceived. Um, It was in 1976 when Richard Richard Dawkins wrote a book called The Selfish Gene. And in this book, while he was trying to explain behaviors and identity tropes that pass on from generation to generation that have no genetic map whatsoever also exist. He was calling that calling that uh, as a passing off of a trait or a tool by mimicking, which is why he called them memes instead of genes. Oh,
0: and, okay. Now I get it. Genes versus memes. It, yeah. it, it feels like this Vsauce episode, which is very poorly scripted right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> <This> okay.
1: <podcast. laughs> All podcasts are poorly scripted Vsauce episodes. <laughs> Let's be fair. The only, reason, yeah. the only reason people do podcasts is because they're too lazy to edit their own shit. Okay. <laughs> Hi there. <Not> <laughs> I know that because I have a podcast. So that's a fair call out. Anyway, um, what I was saying is like, you know how you guys learn in biology that the strongest gene survives. Uh, Yeah, You know, a dominant gene that helps you uh, in your evolution. Survive in in the environment. Survive in the environment will will get passed on. Yeah. Uh, The meme is the same thing. Um, Behavior that is conducive to an environment will get passed on. Okay. So that's what a meme actually is. A behavior that gets passed on from generation to generation.
0: So could you give an example as in how, uh, what kind of... A me- what a meme was during the 70s or the 80s, you know, uh, because clearly we didn't have internet then. So how, what was this idea that was being passed around? Uh,
1: see, that's the kind of beautiful part about it, because when you go to the etymology of the word meme, yeah, it sort of puts the view of everything and anything being inherently and potentially a meme. Oh... So, uh, so, if you have an idea of a thing, like, you know how Plato talks about the theory of forms and how everything's idea is the same, but there is a practical implication of that idea in real life.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, you know, you're creating a chair, you know what a chair looks like in your head, and you create a reference of that chair in real life. Okay. So, that chair is the meme, and that that's what you're trying to recreate, so by that definition everything is a meme but for this definition let's take something like cooking
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, cooking kills off all the bacteria it makes your digestion easier um, it yeah. brings out nutrients in some of the food
0: it's appetizing apparently
1: it's appetizing so <laughs> stuff like that gets passed on as a behavior so that's a meme in the tre- in the scientific sense and then we come to understand the internet meme, which starts in the middle of the 2000s. Okay. Uh, uh, go- yeah, go ahead.
0: I see, I see you quoted Plato, right? So, uh, is there anything as the perfect meme?
1: Um, yes, there is. It's called the Rickroll and loss and I will oh. see no debate about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, jokes aside, I don't know
0: because memes are again subjective right so first of all is there a perfect meme or is there anything with that and second of all uh when when it comes to uh memes so they're subjective in nature so what about the interpretation uh that lies with them
1: so that's the thing right like we can sit here and talk about philosophy, about memes so much that we'll get lost uh, on that topic completely. <laughs> like you said, everything's subjective to interpretation. That brings you to understanding of purpose and intent. Okay. Like, uh, all behavior is intended when it's done by humans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when it's done by nature, it just is indifferent. It, it rains it yeah it rains because there is a, a what do you call it a monsoon cycle where like the sun boils the water, it gets clouded up there and then it rains back down on earth
0: right yeah.
1: that's indifferent, but the intent of that is assigned by humans, so interpretation of everything is sort of like
0: dependent on us,
1: yeah, depends on space and time, for example, if you're in the sixth century and it rains, the God is gods are angry with you, yeah, and today it's just that. There, it was a sunny day in the middle of the Atlantic. So it yeah. depends on what you interpret from everything. Uh, but what I've noticed is when it comes to memes, the more possible interpretations there are, the longer the meme itself will pass on.
0: Oh, so the life of the meme will be
1: yeah. much more. Exactly. So that's what, that's what brings us to the internet meme as well, because the internet meme was basically um, a vessel for different ideas. With the same idea. For example, uh, it's like language. You use the English language to communicate multiple ideas. Okay. Right. So, similarly, the internet meme is an image which communicates multiple ideas.
0: So, it's a form of a language.
1: Uh, It is sort of like a language. It is very similar to a language, yes. I think it is even
0: becoming a... a a part of our, you know, everyday conversations. That when when we are talking to other people, we us send them now, uh, you know, GIFs or or you know, we we send them actual memes. And uh, that's sort of the way that we communicate nowadays. I feel
1: exactly. It is so a vessel for communication. That's an excellent observation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And but then, uh, so why? So you are a meme curator. So why are you? So. Pro preserving or curating this uh, this form of communication.
1: Well, mostly for two reasons. Yeah. Uh, one, because I really like to. That's <laughs> the primary reason. Uh, second, yeah. because I just looked around and I was like, "Is nobody gonna do that? Are you, like <laughs> people are gonna ask questions about this twenty years down the line? Like somebody." But should... when did you
0: realize this idea that holy shit that this needs to be done? Why. Why isn't anybody doing this? I get it. You realize that, but then uh, is was there any other thing that motivated you or that that you saw?
1: Um, I think it was a very specific conversation with my friend in college, and uh, she was equally interested in memes. And she's like, uh, she's like an extremely intelligent lady who, like, um, I think went on to do studies in languages, and oh, she, linguistics. Linguistics, yeah. yeah uh, she, So she was talking to me about art movements and she told me about Dadaism.
0: What is that exactly?
1: So Dadaism was a uh, art movement in the 1920s, a little after 1920s. And this was specifically because of a language of a generation. So like you do understand that World War One was sort of very significant in history. Like we had not seen the manufacturing of death on an industrial scale ever Okay. Nobody had used guns in an actual war till World War One. Yeah. Right. Like they, they'd use cannons and like explosions and whatnot, but like the rate of fire was just nothing. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. It was like small. Like it, if you fired 17 cannonballs in a fight, that was huge back then. And then you went to firing guns, which one bullet took out one man.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And like you could yeah. take out 60 of them in minutes. So. <laughs> stuff like that sort of gave people existential horror and it caused the Western uh, generations of young people in the 1920s to be called the lost generation because, oh. because they had never imagined, like imagine you thinking today that the most people can die at one place is 60 in a war. Oh. And then you ca- hear that everybody who went there died, but like, you know, literally two towns, uh, of young people went to uh, die uh, in the war. Yeah. So like something like that causes you a lot of trauma, right? Like you see things that are unprecedented, unimaginable at the time. So that caused them to be called the lost generation because this existential horror left them disoriented and artists in this generation specifically were like now asking questions like, is there meaning to anything including language, civility, science and uh, life in general. So, but Dada
0: existentialism exists in every generation, right? Be it, uh, be it uh, then nineteen twenties, or be it right now twenty twenties when even this pandemic has hit, and uh, we are still questioning what it all amounts to, right?
1: So that's the thing, right? Like we are questioning it hundred years down the line from the first world war um mm-hmm. believe it or yeah. not existentialism and nihilism as an idea doesn't occur to anybody till the 14th century oh right like yeah. the first written account of something that asks hey does god exist yeah is like 14th century and if god doesn't exist does that make us uh, responsible for our own choices even the <laughs> cynics and- were too afraid to ask questions about god
0: they were beheaded.
1: They were beheaded. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, things like that matter, right? And uh, it also matters what everybody's thinking at the same time. I won't say that in the 6th century, there was nobody who was an atheist. There, of course, has to yeah. be that one edgy dude who's like, nah, I don't believe you, bro. Seems like a scam. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, just because how taboo it was to talk about God back then or like religion or science or the authority of the king that most people will not accept those ideas or even discuss those ideas openly. And And,
0: that time I believe the king and the church were or still are one on the same thing at the head of the church. So if you went against God, you went against the king.
1: Yeah, because um, like I talked about this on my podcast about how like Egyptian mythology is actually an explanation for the monarchy. Uh, So every... Pharaoh of Egypt was actually the son of the eagle god mm-hmm. uh, and like who was the grandson of the sun. so Gosh. they derived their power from being the descendants of god or oh. that's what they told the people of Egypt at the time yeah and
0: you need something to put in people's minds
1: exactly so religion and uh, like church and state sort of work together in that way that the church would say that the monarch is chosen by god to rule you
0: yeah this is so clearly depicted in the in. have you seen the series uh, the crown on netflix it I is haven't. so so clearly depicted in that yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the first season you'll get to see this yeah so
1: uh, yeah uh like let's get back to like the first world yeah. war uh, yeah When it comes to First World War, this is the first time that the press, the printing press is being used in that way. And the threat of the government isn't as strong in as many people. There are more than one people who can come together and discuss this without fear, like the sheer numbers of it matter, right? If everybody thinks our life doesn't mean anything, that creates a different uh, atmosphere of conversation as opposed to one guy screaming at the top of his lungs.
0: Yeah, you're not charged for treason when you're... You're not even
1: considered a madman. Like I remember the story where Nietzsche wrote God is dead and we have killed him. Mm -hmm. It's called the parable of the madman. Oh. And today it would be called the parable of the edgelord. But that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, these artists sort of uh, say, what if life is meaningless and the reflection of my life is the meaninglessness that I dwell in. So, I'm going to make... An art movement that doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay, was, and that that yeah. led to the formation of these ideas that led to. I mean, yeah, that so, were transferred yeah. by mimicking.
1: It sort of created in the art world what we now understand as trolling. Oh, uh, because like this was still like the twentieth 20th, early twentieth 20th century. classism was pretty strong, and the art people were. Uh, you know, the your typical bourgeois rich European kids and their parents who had all yeah. the money and time in the world and popular entertainment was very different. Yeah. So when art practice came to it, the Dadaistic revolution sort of challenged that as well. And Dadaism as a name is also derived from that, right? Dada, Dada. two words that mean nothing. Oh. So they thought it is really fun to troll the art world as it exists and one of those people who is now the most influential uh, artist in the world i'm not making this up you can look it up later his name is marshal duchamp and marshal duchamp uh put like he bought a urinal the one yeah. that is installed in public toilets and he submitted as an art piece uh to like an exhibition in america <laughs> Uh, and and, that that thing is still in the the Museum of Modern Arts, San Francisco today and the entire point of it was if nothing makes sense then everything has to be art because everything is a practice in space
0: and again everything is uh, so even nowadays if you put like a blank canvas people will still interpret something out of it
1: exactly so that's where so she was talking to me about this and she said memes are the same thing yeah on a, a widely democratic format of course it happens but it happens to other um art forms as well okay uh, for example badly dancing on purpose <laughs> to make fun of somebody right and then replicating the badly dancing actually doing it well and selling it again like for Uh, example the Harlem Shake
0: oh yes
1: right you have to have uh, incredible amounts of flexibility to do the Harlem Shake
0: I can't even do the Gangnam Style
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gangnam Style slightly less popular meme because like it became mainstream and then everybody just lost interest because it was overplayed oh but still like you you get my point (laughs) yeah so that's how like I came to this part that like if people are still talking about a toilet that was put in a, um, in a museum, museum. in an art exhibition by a dude a hundred years ago, somebody's gonna ask questions about these observations that these kids are making and putting them in forms of like small images in three sixty by four eighty, and it is going to be extremely difficult unless we start catalog- cataloging and talking about them now.
0: So, uh, as in what? Uh... What exactly do you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: As in, in, in relation to uh, like memes? In or... relation to
0: the curation, yeah.
1: What I do is I keep an eye, eye out. I go to places which are recommended to me. Of course, I am but one person, right? Yeah. The yeah. good thing about meme curation is that I can also suggest a list of other curators who are doing better than me. Yeah. Uh so my job is to keep an eye out and make sure that I'm cataloging data that can help you trace memes that captured a time or memes that captured the imagination of everybody at a certain point in this period. Um of course also one of the things that history really does well is answer the question have we been here before. Yeah. So what I also do is sort of catalog and sort of try to create a memory of every recent meme and compare it to what has been before and understand okay. that is it the same meme evolving into different patterns and changing aesthetics or is this something new and is this a new direction of memes
0: okay and so uh, So then you try to predict what from the, the patterns or you just put the patterns out
1: I put possible patterns you're just putting... out basically
0: Okay, okay. And, but uh, I wanted to ask you what, uh, how do you decide what depicts this uh, time? You know, what depicts the, uh, as in, how how is it that your interpretation aligns with the uh, majority interpretation?
1: Okay, can I, I'm gonna give you two answers to that. The first one, of course, is going to be um, the one of the the ballads about Caesar. Uh, You remember (laughs) who Caesar is, right? Like the Roman emperor. Yes, yes. So, you know why we remember Caesar as a great ruler. Is it's mostly because the ballads? Yeah, mostly because of the ballads, but because. Caesar was the one who recorded his own history. And that's the only account we have. Hmm. So my question is, if nothing else exists to be written about it, what is wrong with considering a case that somebody's made? And the second one is, of course, my academic studies. Uh, Like I studied psychology for three years. I'm studying law now. I have done a cursory browsing of philosophical literature that is for my own interest, of course. And most importantly, I've been a citizen of the internet. And one of the things that's categorically different about memes is that it is an art form so democratic that even the face, the name, and the identity of the author is hidden in the public. Yeah. Like, for example, when you talk about uh, memes in, like, meme formats, I know what part of the internet... This meme format came from, but I don't know the specific artist. It is very difficult to trace. If I do, I talk about it, of course, like especially if it's a you know, something like Boneless Pizza, a meme from yeah. 2014. I know where that meme came from. It came from a dude named Sethical who used to make um, these deep fried comedy videos about abstract things going to restaurants.
0: Oh.
1: So in that case, what I do is sort of one catalog catalogue that just my experience as a member of history okay and mix that with my academic knowledge of hu- of human psychology works and whatever uh, legal framework and philosophical approach and legal framework is and what people thought of that time i'm i'm basically a storyteller of my own time and I, that's the most credibility you can have as a historian unfortunately <laughs> so
0: so but is this limited to a person who has done psychology or can anybody do i mean of course you said that it is uh democratic and anybody can do it but then the background certainly helps you a lot right uh
1: yeah i mean it helps me in parts i just know how to play to my strengths with it i guess at this point <laughs> uh but more importantly i think I think it's worth arriving at a scene first Oh. uh, when it comes to like academic discussions. Yeah. And after that, whoever follows you just improves on what you do. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get something started so other people can build on it. And to be honest, I'm one of those people, and I know this is a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I believe that most things are worth writing down.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I, at least for yourself, or if anybody ever reads it, uh, then it should help them.
1: Yeah, or I would mean, help them. I mean, on a, on like, a anthropological scale, like a human scale, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, for example, somebody like Franz Kafka. Hmm. Uh, he's today known as a philosophical storyteller, but he just wanted to be a novelist. And oh. Franz Kafka never wanted his work published. He was sick for most of his life. He had extremely low self-esteem. And he died yeah. in his 40s. And <sighs> his last wish was, please do not publish my uh, my stuff. Never, ever show anybody I wrote this. His friends published his books against his will. Yeah. And today we look at... like There is a word called Kafkaesque, which specifically means being powerless in front of authority and the sadness perceived from it
0: that's uh, that's quite deep
1: yeah so like it, i believe that there is at least a, at least some amount of uh, institutional criticism that we do today to our governments that comes from his literature even though it's subjective i understand yeah but i would i am certain that most things are worth publishing because of the, that man like you should be the you shouldn't be the only judge of your content hmm. and there's
0: uh there's i'd like to draw a parallel over here that uh like Franz kafka there's another i'm into photography so uh there's hmm. another photographer known as vivian Mayer, okay and even her work uh, it was so beautiful and it was it was, it came to life after she died. <laughs> that's the irony. So, um, just putting some diversity into the podcast. I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. That's okay. I mean, that's always yeah. good to know more. Like I learned that. Yeah. Vivian Mare, <laughs> photographer, photographer. Uh, she has an official website. I'm going to check it out on my own time. I'm sorry. I don't mean to diverge into yeah. that. <laughs> um, but the same with, uh, I think this is for our engineering friends who are listening. Um. Mm. Sergey Komarov, is that his name? The dude who invented the, who worked on satellites and died in the Gulag. Uh, that's him. And for biology enthusiasts, who might be most of your um, population, Hegel. Not he- Hegel, sorry. Hegel is a philosopher. Mendel. Oh, yeah. Mendel. The, the guy who did the peace experiment. He was ridiculed by Darwin in his time. The man. Yeah, he died. was not
0: even recognized. I think his work was again later on published by somebody else. I don't remember who it was, but then they were reviewing, they found these old journals of his and then they brought his work to life, Darwin's.
1: Exactly. And even the guy who came up with the idea that like um you know, washing hands helps women live oh, yeah. after delivery. Yes. yes. Even he was ridiculed and he died 14 days after being institutionalized into a like a mental health institution
0: (laughs) yeah
1: and so things like that happen (laughs) and (laughs) that's why it's always nice to like put your ideas out there because they'll definitely help somebody else in the future even though you think they're ridiculous
0: yeah and uh so i wanted to ask is there is there any personality, for example, for me, I have always been inspired by Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. You know, these two personalities I have, uh, you know, I've read about, I have, you know, researched about them, how they t- did things. So is there any person that, you know, inspired you or are there multiple personalities, if you could name a few? Um,
1: when you say inspired me, what do you mean?
0: As an in... in general not just related to you know this uh this uh career or this meme curation but in general in life that has helped you shape your uh thinking
1: oh there are quite a few names i'd take on that list i think the first one would be somebody my roommate uh introduced me to when i was 19 uh this gentleman's name was albert Camus. okay uh he's a writer and uh, well, he was a French-Algerian person who wrote a few books in fr- French and now they're known as like the coming-to-age novels in France. Like 14 to 18-year-olds usually read that in France. And yeah. um, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think he makes some of the most provocative writings known to humankind. Um, oh. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think his first book that I read was called The Outsider, and the opening lines of that book are, um, my mother died today or yesterday. I don't remember. <laughs> and he goes on to narrate an entire, um, story. The, the moral of which is to ask fundamental questions as, um, is society virtuous, does life have oh. meaning? And if life doesn't have meaning, what does it mean when I kill somebody or take life away oh. from somebody? What does it mean to do a moral deed? and yeah. then he goes on to like write even more provocative things like the myth of sisyphus something you might have heard of something most of the people in this uh, thing uh, in this uh, audience of the podcast may have heard of where sisyphus is a man cursed to push a boulder up a hill forever as a vulture pecks at his spleen oh and he compares humanity to sisyphus that all you do is push a boulder up a rock while being irritated, and then you die.
0: Mm. So,
1: is is life worth living, and is suicide the or the ultimate logical option to life? Is a question he starts with. Um, so, I feel like he really inspired me to like put things in perspective and humble about um, yeah. how I go about my day and like what things I should not be arrogant about. Yeah. And um, he also sort of. Gives you, I I believe that uh, Albert Camus' work gave me a lot of empathy, mostly. Um, hmm. In the sense that it helped me understand that most people are going through something, and the best thing to do under most circumstances is to be decent. Okay. And your or emotional expression, yeah. And yeah. remember that your emotional expression is only for yourself so i think that's him and the second one would be i think especially work related would be michel foucault and uh, frederick nietzsche um uh,
0: i first of all i'd like to encourage the audience to if if they are you know if they are still listening up to this point so i'd encourage you all to like l- make a list of these people and try to read more about them even i'm going to do that because i don't know any of these people um, but yeah go ahead I, so I feel this is uh, a new section I have introduced in the podcast.
1: Um, yeah, if, if you want something more accessible, because like Albert Camus, you won't struggle with his literature. He's just writes to be read, right? Like okay. he's a storyteller. He's not a philosopher. He's a philosopher by extension of being a storyteller. But like the other people that I mentioned, they're a little bookish because they were academicians. And oh. um, I don't know about Michel Foucault, but definitely frederick nietzsche thought of himself as better than everybody else so he writes also like that Um, so like it might take you a while to get used to it if you want you can listen to some podcasts about it mine included Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but anyway take your time figure it out
0: Uh, yeah Uh, you know what we'll move on to the next uh, set of questions right so uh, I now I've also read a lot about you whatever there is uh and especially the news article so you said that uh uh memes have exploded up to the forefront of pop culture and election like 2019 was a meme festival and the meme indian meme scene has benefited a lot over the last year that's what you said to indian express so uh would you like to elaborate on that
1: um sure i'm kind of like surprised that people read these articles to this day. <laughs> I didn't speak at the time, thinking this would be recorded forever, <laughs> but um, sure, I can probably expand on that mostly. I talked about that because uh one of the beautiful things about democracy is the uh process of reaching a decision because you have to reach a decision by consensus. That's what voting is. it's creating consensus as to what do most people think, yeah. Uh, the l- lowest common denominator. And the reason I believe that it was the best time for the memes is because this is something that Abhineet, Abhijit Kinney told me um, on my podcast. He's a oh. illustrator. He he wrote this comic book called Angry Maushi. It's hilarious. You should go check it out. Uh, everybody, please go check it out. He told me that one thing that politicians do in a democracy is feed the artists with content. Yeah. And the election was just a list of claims that these political parties very sincerely and earnestly were making about themselves, that how they've made the economy better, um, how your life is better because of them and how they want to continue keep doing it. And in a way, if you
0: imagine, uh, even I think election 2016 or 2014, for for that matter, I think after these elections, we saw the you know surge in the number of uh, stand-up comics. Again, artists who were frustrated by the government and uh, they tried to speak up about it.
1: Interesting that you bring it up because in the context of meme culture, there is a, a shift in aesthetic and style of meme making. And okay. that cements itself in the 2016 election. And I'll explain myself. Like You remember when impact font with one image and a joke was all that their meme was? Yeah. And then the joke videos came around where like the joke was uh, whatever. And then uh, like you insert your joke in text and then a funny video on top of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's how like Vine also got created. And that shifted from 2016 when people started uh, using different fonts and... Mm um you know the twitter format of uh, top text and just an image of reaction yeah so things like that started happening only after 2016 like 2016 exhausted the meme universe so much that it was forced to regenerate itself and that happened in the in america which is the center of the western meme world
0: yeah
1: and so it happened so in I- india in 2019 the same way
0: so as a meme curator, which is from in this decade, which has been like the mo- your busiest year, like when you go back and look at the catalog, so 2016 is the year.
1: I would suggest 2016 is the year of the greatest shift. Okay. Uh, in like meme formulas and meme conversations, like you know how there is a there is a point of saturation as to like I get it. This is what's funny about this meme. Yeah. Um, and which is why you will see a different type of uh, content that is now clubbed with meme content has come up like Vine, for example. Mm. Uh, Vine at the time had the reputation of TikTok. I just want everybody to know, like, uh, for example, your King Bach and um, what's her name? Uh, I the EB family. These are like viners of 2014, 2013. Jake Paul, Logan Paul.
0: Or even uh, uh,
1: David Dobrik, Liza yeah, yeah. Koshy, all of these people have shifted from Vine to YouTube. Yeah, they shifted from Vine to YouTube because Vine shut down. Vine was yeah, uh, Vine was the new thing that like you know how in twenty eighteen twenty nineteen people started hating TikTok.
0: Uh-huh.
1: The same thing was happening with Vine at the time. Time like Vine was the cringy comedy part, and they were not included in memes. But the moment Vine shut down there was a nostalgia for a few iconic vines and they became oh, wow. pop culture references for a generation that enjoyed them. Um, for example, uh, am I allowed to like uh, do comedy that's a little below the belt on this podcast?
0: I mean, sure. Go for it. Go for it. So, anyway, we'd have a huge audience.
1: <laughs> there is an amazing, amazing vine. And I please, encourage all of you to google it just so that it's recorded in history that you google this at some point um and it's literally a boy walking up to his friend and telling her and there i was with barbecue sauce on my titties and she <laughs> just loses it and that's it that's the entire video <laughs> and something like that came to be clubbed with memes and then immediately in 2016 you got the t- nostalgia of two years ago Things had so random so rapidly changed in the internet landscape. Uh, Politics didn't make sense to most people the same way. They didn't see see history to be as linear as before. Um, People got more specific with their criticisms. Yeah. Uh, For example, I wanna give an example of Congress. For example, Um, Congress's ad for the 2019 election was about how they did women empowerment and RTI in government. So that would be superimposed with uh, the scams that the RTI Act brought forward by the Congress. Yeah. One of which, which happens to be two G spectrum scam. Uh, yeah. I think two point seven five trillion US dollars or rupees or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those kind of very specific criticisms came forward because before we were not specific about our criticism we had the tool but we had not find the, found the potential of the tool with criticism the bjp for example the ruling party in the 2019 government uh they claimed that demonetization was a good thing it was a good thing yeah. it yeah. was superimposed with images of people stuck outside atms and uh you know the black money going shooting up right after the demonetization yeah. was done basically the superimposition of the failure of the government And this amount of success that they claim became very clear. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that just accelerates uh, meme potential of anything and the artistic interest in anything immediately.
0: And I believe in a way, memes are not a form of direct criticism, right? Of the opposition. Like, uh, I believe, you know, Ms. Modi is not directly criticizing uh, Rahul Gandhi, But at the same time... Indirectly, they are sending memes onto the social media platforms and uh, criticizing
1: them. Um, like, I'd put it this way so memes are like the book 1984 by George Orwell. Have you read this book?
0: I. No, I haven't.
1: Uh, okay, have you heard of it by any chance?
0: I've heard of George Orwell, though.
1: Yeah, you must have because he's like this legendary author. So basically 1984 is a criticism of authoritarian governments.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And the best part about it is that two radical um, governmental systems came about when he wrote this book around 1940s. One was fascism and the other was uh, communism. Both of them were authoritarian like uh, modes of governance. And of course, fascism had fallen at this point because of uh, the Second World War and whatnot.
0: Mm.
1: But the influence of it was very present. But the hero also in that fight was communism. We mix mistake yeah. it that the democracy w- uh, won against fascism, but that was only the secondary plot. Remember, the highest number of troops killed and the most land gained in um, Second World War was by USSR.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: like, they came... Way far far beyond their uh, previous borders that never mind true. that's not the, that's not the point. So he sort of criticized the far right and the far left with the uh, authoritarian appro- approach that they succumb to eventually for their ideals. Uh-huh. And memes are sort of like that, like an extension of that kind of criticism that it it criticizes power yeah as a as a tool, it definitely just criticizes power. Now, it depends who's using the tool, which power gets criticized. Like, if you have an extremely oh. political person behind that meme, they will target their uh, meme, uh, like oh. meme's criticism directly at a person. For example, the current prime minister who's yeah. earned his criticism, by the way, is criticized by somebody who is vouching for another political thing. It's like protecting yeah. your own interest. So if that meme protects somebody else's interest, then, like, they'll forward it. But mm. in that time, in that time, the intent of it can be misappropriated, right? Yeah. So that's what I, that's how I believe that politics and memes have, like, intertwined, which is why a lot of memes also turn fashy, in some sense. Like, there mm. was a time before the Hong Kong protests. I'm so sorry, your your uh, podcast will not be available in China anymore. <laughs> 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 but, um, During the protest, one thing that happened good was Pepe became a symbol of democracy. Because around 2017, he had become a symbol of fascism. Mm. And things like that always keep happening. People keep claiming memes to propagate their own ideas. So, that's what I mean when I say like, a meme is just a vehicle for an idea depends what idea you're propagating and how it is interpreted all of that is a little okay. loose
0: so uh but then again like as in our daily lives are so uh you know again intertwined with uh are the meme distribution platforms that it is so hard not to be a part of the whole uh you know polarized political uh yeah. atmosphere right
1: yeah yeah um i think i was talking to this dude who did um like his he did a, a project in south africa with a company called Mimet, like based on Mimetic theory which is a book written by susan blackmore i suggest that you go read it uh and he basically created an advertisement and a viral marketing campaign for a product that didn't exist
0: oh and, and what was it
1: I I forget what the product was. I he talked to me on my podcast as well. You can go find, check check it out. His name is Angus, and um, basically what he told okay. me is that in the information age, where you have to open your phone and check what's happening to know to be in the know-how. Yeah. In that. Period, where you're getting your
0: news from the sites which are meant to be entertainments.
1: Yeah, like where you're talking to your friends, even that's not yeah. secret, right? So, yeah in In this economy, your brain has become your attention has become the battleground mm-hmm. and political parties corporations um social institutions everybody's fighting for your attention yeah and what they're using for this attention is potent memes. The meme mm-hmm. that's funnier registers longer, stays in your conscious longer and creates your permanent beliefs in the future, yeah. Uh, so it's sort of true when you say it like that, that like memes is how we receive news sometimes now. Right?
0: <laughs> they, that's the only site because the 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 platforms which were supposed to give us news have become a site of entertainment. I remember my parents switching on to like Arnab's, this thing, because there was nothing funny on the television that night
1: i think uh, when it comes to like i'm glad that you brought this up another book that i recommend to your audience is uh, manufacturing consent by okay. noam chomsky he's in like he's this huge person in linguistics but he's also written political philosophy and one of the things he writes in his book okay. is that a democracy is just as good as its options and what people mm. do with these major studios and uh, politics things is that they limit your options to an extent that are only helpful to the people in power and that changes mm. our political landscape significantly which is That's why true. your eyes are given only information that is in favor of the state already which is why arnab talks about um Sushant Singh Rajput's case, even though now we know that it was just an unfortunate incident where Sushant, because of his mental health, you know, took his own life, which is yeah. very sad. And I am, for one, very disgusted with the fact that Indian media sensationalized it like like they did, and what about it? This issue for hundred days, milked it like a cow for their money. Yeah. Um. And after that, you see something like. The case in Hathras, hmm. which was a perfect yeah case, that did not like...
0: receive any coverage at all or okay. slightest like.
1: Go ahead, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Oh no. Um, Nachiket. Uh,
0: yeah. could you repeat N- what you said?
1: No, I just said, go ahead, like finish yeah, it Yeah, could you repeat what you said? I just said like how uh, that got misused yeah. by uh, the uh, the press. And I like to believe that there so, are political intentions behind that. Yeah. Nachiket?
0: I, I'm sorry. This is, again, this is breaking. Uh, do you want to wait until the network stabilizes?
1: Uh yeah, we can wait a minute. That's not a problem.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's fine now. I sh- think it should be fine.
1: Okay. Okay. We, yeah, we should be fine. So, which, where do you want to restart?
0: Uh, instead, so let's let us move to like this adjacent thought about means and the negative influence on and their negative influence on the society as uh you as a psychologist can elaborate
1: uh memes and its negative impact okay so i think it goes down to a very fundamental thing in um, psychology and that's heuristics and bias okay so social heuristics is basically a set of beliefs that you're grown with a set of assumptions that you assume to be true because everyone around you is assuming the same thing it's an identity
0: so is uh, it like norms
1: It's sort of like norms, but yeah, I think norms is a broader concept like that, Um, but very similar. It's definitely like the intersection is perfect. You've got your nerve nerve right. It's a norm. Heuristic is a norm, for example, Uh, but it's a norm of collectives of people. For example, religion. Religion is a heuristic. All of us believe that God exists and this is the interpretation of God's existence. Uh and that's the same with Christianity or Islam that they all believe God exists and this is how they believe God's existence has come to fruition that's an assumption that they all make oh so what that does is that it predisposes you to find evidence and find information which confirms what you already know okay like you like this is something Richard Rorty also talks about that like most people know what they want to believe they just create a vocabulary hmm. uh, for what they what they want to communicate of what they believe
0: or even what they want to hear I mean believe right as exactly
1: exactly so memes sort of fall in the prey to that because memes are such a fast and such an efficient way of communicating something to an extent that is impossibly big like hmm. uh, if you wanted to create political propaganda in the in 1939 yeah the amplification of it would be limited by its technology which is pamphlets and newspapers
0: or even the radio but then even the radio, the radio is state i mean controlled
1: yeah but now you have memes like all of this propaganda that you create can be propagated to such a, a tiny uh what do you call it it can also it, because the number of people who are involved loosely in propagating your propaganda Hmm. Uh, it can also be tailor-made for you. It can be yeah. tailor-made to like shape your political opinion in particular. It can be tailor-made to attack your insecurities. Um, you know, confirm your biases. Yeah. Use your upbringing yeah. to make sure that you believe what they want you to believe. And it is important to know that because. That that's how our assumption of what should be true what shouldn't be true also comes in like for example I found out Sean Connery died uh, yesterday oh. very sad the first James Bond uh, who yeah. ever ha- happened I did not immediately want to believe it which is why I cross-checked it
0: yeah
1: right uh, and that's negative news now imagine if I have to hear about how my favorite history uh, favorite hero from history hmm. uh, was not a good person Mm. Like for example, Genghis Khan. Yeah. He was a conqueror and some of his um, military might is worth respecting, but also he was a serial rapist who traveled with other serial rapists. And that's information that some people might not want to accommodate in their own belief. Mm. So what people do is they take what is true and what is what they believe they find the inter intersection of that circle and they believe that to be the ultimate truth and so, so should there be
0: any regulation on you know the meme creation or like uh, news authorities or news paper bodies or even uh, media authorities there, there are authorities who regulate what content is uh, you know uh, good enough for this uh for this channel or for this paper so should there be any regulatory authorities or is that conflicting with the speech, freedom of speech or freedom of expression
1: i do agree with some amount of regulation and i know this is a controversial opinion i've changed my position a little bit for example content that benefits off of other people should not be mm. put especially that benefits off of other people's misery and that encourages mm. that kind of uh, beneficiaring of misery for example Um, something like uploading the video of a violent beatdown or a murder for likes and views for dopamine or for even for like you know gaining cash what's that i forget the name of that youtube channel but what they used to do it like it started a trend a very disturbing trend where um, children were killing cats and uploading that on youtube for clout and there was an audience for that And that goes to dark territories because similar is about child pornography, for example. So things like that should not be allowed just because it involves activities that are social levels to an extent that is non-negotiable at this point in history. Mm -hmm. We know children cannot consent. We know animals do not mean you harm and killing them is something that is uh, a sign of acceptance of violence that is unhealthy. Uh, for human civilization, so things like that, I am for censoring. But when it comes to political speech that does not incite violence, yeah. I'm a little fishy about that. Like I, I feel like you should be like. It is much easier to create a population that is educated enough to uh, to see manipulation, choose the facts yeah. from that manipulation to anchor that manipulation, and reject the manipulation itself. I don't believe then, in harsh censoring.
0: what about uh, censoring is one aspect, but then what about uh, hurting the sentiments of you know of another person you know when when you put out controversial memes, suppose on politics, there is one party or the party supporters or in general supporters of that faction who who uh, who get offended by the content which you might post. So how should one manage that or should, or is that even, I mean, that is not healthy, right?
1: So here I draw the line of something that somebody told me is very important, that you should tolerate everything except intolerance. Hmm. So um, basically I sort of promote all uh, content that is an honest, earnest opinion or a creative uh, choice. Mm. I genuinely support that. I I don't think there's anything wrong with putting out that that is genuinely upsetting. But I do, however, discourage or encourage content based on what that content is uh, hurting or what that content is hurting. Okay. Like, uh, for example, something like fat jokes. Hmm. It's been done before. We know there's a huge genetic predisposition. The net social uh, impact of those jokes is negative. It's not helping the people it should be helping. It's definitely attacking a very vulnerable group of people. uh, A lot of whom happen to be teenagers. Yeah. You know, like, we know, for example, that body insecurity is something that people cripplingly live with. And... For a lot of them, it's not easy to find that struggle. For example, imagine if I uh, came to your grandmother's funeral and danced on her grave. That's not funny. Mm. That's just insensitive. That's uh, it's, it's the difference between sex and masturbation for me.
0: Uh, could you elaborate?
1: Uh, for example, masturbation is something that I enjoy. And I probably could enjoy it at the cost of other people. Mm. Like... For example, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Did it? Yeah, that that's why that's why he got cancelled. And for good measure. But sex is something that is always consensual, enthusiastically consensual. Lines are discussed by two people. Yeah. And even though something is provocative under normal circumstances, and some people might not like it, you're in the right to do some things as long as that audience agrees. Hmm. Uh, for example. Attacking the institution of education or religion. Yeah. You've been holding power for so long. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is legitimate criticism and legitimate harm done by these institutions to other people. For example, the mental health crisis that our students are in. India has about 33% uh, individuals that are predisposed or are affected by mood disorders today. And a large mm. chunk of that is because of our working hours and our educational systems. Religion, for example, is the reason for a fair amount of violence in this country and across the globe, regardless of what religion you come from. And I believe those uh, religions are under significant attack, uh, significant justified uh, attack of offense when it comes to speech, not violence. I do not propagate violence against any religious people. But it's also important to understand that it's a religion that's violent and not religious people. Yeah. That something that you believed in or still believe in doesn't have to define you. Mm-hmm. And But that's the thing, right? People
0: are uh, people are not able to differentiate that, right? As in, if, if there is something that you believe in or you've been told to believe in since childhood, okay, and if somebody down the line 20 years... Uh, Straight up, you know, you know, talks bullshit about it. Genuinely, you'll be pissed off. For no, I mean, for uh, for for that reason. Okay, but that again does not mean that one should go and start um beheading people like what happened in France.
1: Yeah, Charlie Hebdo. Yeah. Terrible, terrible tragedy.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay uh, let's move on to like the last few questions which i have for you and um, so the so one thing related to this uh, what we previously talked about uh, the hurting the sentiments part so should uh, so should creators uh, make art for consumption of the public or should they make it for their own satisfaction
1: see here's the thing um everybody creates technically Hmm. um everything is art what like for example you'll be a doctor right yeah what you're doing is recreation of a ritual that a scientist taught you yeah now that has monetary value because it saves people's lives yeah and unfortunately the thing about society is that you have the you have to adhere to the social contract and the creativity is um sort of a byproduct. So mm. I understand why some people would create for consumption. Yeah. But I genuinely believe creating something for consumption without having your own creative expression in it is a life not worth living. <laughs> like something has gone terribly wrong if you if you make something <laughs> like that.
0: It's it's like um it's yeah it's like you're breathing because somebody else has told you to breathe
1: yeah exactly and to be honest let's look at creativity that it it persists in everything for example even if you make an excel sheet Hmm. of somebody there is a font Hmm. that you choose there is a ritual that you go through in entering the data Hmm. there is speed and efficiency involved of course those are tangible parameters but in the end it's practice of an art yeah and art that you've been ritually taught and i believe that there is a fair amount of individuality even to that even though it's not how i choose to express my individuality there is individuality to that so Mm -hmm. i would never encourage a creator or any individual to do something that they don't do for themselves
0: Mm.
1: like the point of the social contract theory is to find um an activity that is beneficial for you and the society and operate within that uh, framework.
0: Oh, but that again is decided by somebody else for you, the social contract.
1: Yeah, but you also have to understand that's an exchange, right? Like, the society yeah. is providing you opportunities that help you explore your potential.
0: Plus, you get to live in society or you could have lived in a cave, know
1: exactly so yeah i mean that i, I believe some <laughs> some thanking for the catering that society does is in order not a lot though don't get carried mm. away society uh, just just a little bit just uh, okay i would put it this way be decent make sure mm. what you do doesn't affect other people negatively if it doesn't affect other people at all that's, that's my criteria. That's where I put my foot down.
0: I, I believe, I remember I saw Kenny's video, okay, and Kenny was explaining. Somebody asked him, why don't you make jokes on, you know, politics? Because that's the atmosphere, right? Stand-up comedians go for politics because everybody experiences it. They get the views. So why doesn't he do it? He says, because you are not the people who would come, you know, and bail me out of jail. Okay, you guys will happily laugh over here right now, but I'll be rotting over there. So in a way, he's trying to live in his own lane, trying to make comedy out of what people experience every day, other than uh, what is controversial. I don't know if that that I feel is uh, in a way sums up the thing, right? So you have to be decent, and you have to be. Uh, uh, you have to be respectful of other people's opinions.
1: No, that's... I, I believe there's a tiny bit of amendment that is in order when it comes to the example that you took.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: the entire point of a democracy is to openly discuss politics.
0: Mm. Right. That is,
1: true. that is true. And I was promised by the Constitution of India that I can speak without inciting yeah. violence. Yeah and sometimes that speech will be very critical of what people believe sometimes even the majority believes but mm-hmm. if I don't do that then what's the point of democracy if like if you just are caught up in in protecting everybody's beliefs and um, sentiments then it's just autocracy by majority that, way, that is the repeat exchange it, it, it is
0: right now autocracy by majority yeah but right now we yeah, are yeah. living place where we can't really speak up about things because you know uh as i said either factions will get hurt and either factions will come for you
1: i mean just because it will affect a lot of people is some like i genuinely believe that is a bad reason to stop talking about something um for example the lgbtq legal battle hmm.
0: um
1: Navtej Singh Johar versus the Union of India is the case citation that happened in 2018 that that read down homosexuality from section 377. Okay. I believe it came after a lot of social uh, discourse that the judges were aware of that we got to this point. Okay. But I know a majority that doesn't agree with it. Luckily, um, the Supreme Court of India has a a, judicial overview process. That is working in our favor. Like, for example, on January 18th, there is a hearing to accept same-sex marriages in India. Yeah. Now, these are conversations that we need to have because these are expressions of individuality that are outside the purview of society. It's a reasonability test. To what extent is society able to control you? To the extent that it doesn't harm them. That's the only thing that should be allowed, right? Yeah. And emotional discomfort isn't exactly harm. Emotional discomfort because of your beliefs in institutions that harm other people is definitely not harm. Yeah. I understand that some people take their belief in God very personally, but they also have to understand that their belief in God comes from a historical use of belief in God to curb people who did not believe the same thing as they do.
0: Yeah. And try to get more people uh, to join the group that you are
1: in. I mean, that's something that you're going to do inadvertently. Like, I'm an atheist and I'm going to talk like an atheist. I'm going to talk with the assumptions that I think are true. I can't talk for the assumptions that you are true. I can respect that you have those assumptions. Mm. But also, I will choose to not respect them if those assumptions hurt other people. Um, I mean, especially with all three of the religions that we study today, our majority in our country are against homosexuality. Yeah. And I'm sorry but that's just non-negotiable I, I do know that Hinduism has had a history of accepting homosexuality
0: hmm.
1: uh, I'm not aware of any Christian or uh, Islamic acceptances of the same but that is a non-negotiable facet of criticism for religion if it makes you a better person very good for you I am so happy that you don't harm other people because of religion Yeah. but if you do is your religion worth it
0: And also I feel you should amend your religion from time to time, uh, you know, as in, uh, uh, you know, looking forward with respect to how the society is evolving.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I definitely believe that's true.
0: Well, coming back to memes, I had this last (laughs) question about you. As in, uh, you know, taking Darwinism into perspective, or universal Darwinism, as they say. Uh, how long do you think that memes will last? What, where do you think this uh, the concept of memes will head towards? As in earlier we had, as you said, pamphlets or newspapers, comics, radios, and then now we have Instagram. So uh, and Reddit. So where do you think that this will go moving ahead? Um,
1: it's sort of like that argument. Uh just because you see it doesn't mean it's there. Or just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. For example, radiation, it exists, right? It has tangible effects. Uh, So I believe memes will exist as long as the medium of communication for them exists in the way it does. Um, Like, for Mm -hmm. example, as long as there is a computer that can... um... Okay, let's take an... uh, Like... An analogy in physics is the difference between kinetic and potential energy, and it oh. sort of never ends. Um, <laughs> it just con- gets converted from one to the other based on the technology, uh, like that is available. Um, oh. So all ideas oh. that can ever exist. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Nicely put.
1: Yeah, all ideas that. Uh, that can ever exist that are perceived by human thought and conceived in human language are potentially yeah. memes oh. and that those memes can be communicated through M, like jpg files mov files um, in theaters printed paper whatever by whatever mode of communication that suits and the anthropological scene right now oh. so as long so, as there is medium
0: it is in a way related to uh deeply integrated with anthropology and uh, linguistics. Uh
1: definitely, definitely. Like a language can only be read if somebody understands it, right? Yeah. Uh but that's the
0: thing, the memes or ex- especially now that the trend we are seeing, the conversion of from text or you know, graphical memes to video memes, like apps like TikTok, the only reason why they were famous right uh so these don't have a kind of a language uh i believe and they they are universally understood even if you're even if you don't know how to read or write right.
1: yeah yeah uh that's the thing with gifs right like that the, that's why gifs are so popular because they just communicate what appears to be a human expression of anger or excitement or joy or fear mm-hmm. The only reason you understand that is because there is a very um, I want to say lingual but I'm going to go with the word communicative expression of what is supposed to be communicated Uh and it's hilarious because it's a new found territory in language of that particular medium and um, I believe that it will be eventually evolve into uh, taking over substances of touch and taste as well like uh, for example, tasting broccoli will be a meme at some point, <laughs> where just kids put broccoli in their mouth and they'll be like, damn it, I'm laughing again. <laughs> I'm certain that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so where can people check out the work that you've done? Um the work I've done in the sense on meme regime or the work I usually do. Oh, um, well, it is still an open touring exhibition. So maybe we'll come to a city nearest you to you with Tifa working studios. Uh, those are the people who I interned and conceived the project with, uh, please okay. go check out their website, TIFA.edu.in. And, um, I do my work on deep fried neurons. Mostly I talk about memes. I talk about philosophy. I talk about things that interest me in general. And, um, when it comes to memes in specific, I believe, uh, my series of video essays about different questions about memes might help you look at some of my work. It's called musings about memes and it's on deep fried neurons. Yeah. So I think that's where you can check out my work.
0: Well, um, yeah, guys, go check out his channel. Go check out his work. And uh, that was the last question that we had. It's been an hour that we have been talking. So uh, it's high time that we end it.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry, by the way. I just go off rails sometimes. I understand that could be. <laughs> <I do. laughs>
0: God, we talked about so many different topics. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I I enjoyed this podcast, I have to tell you. Yeah.
0: Me too. Me too.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well anyway. Uh, okay, thank you guys. Please uh, go check out his channel. Please do keep listening to our podcast and share. Subscribe. Do whatever you guys do. And we will see you guys, you know, next time. Bye. Say bye, Anuj.
1: Bye guys. Take care. Be decent people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah.